Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Friday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. It has turned out to be a very nice-looking day. Step out in it, and uh, it's maybe not quite as nice as it looks. Um, it is chilly, and there is uh, there is pretty steady, strong wind. Yeah, it, it is It is a, a cold, uh, I mean, su- surprisingly cold uh, sort of... I mean, it, it, it really is surprise because it's gorgeous looking. Oh, yeah. The windows and driving around in it. But you step out, it is blustery, <laughs> and you get it a is. real strong blast of that uh, re- really, really, really cold stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, so so uh, just be aware of that if you've been inside and haven't realized how cool it is. Baseball getting underway over on campus. Matter of fact, softball got underway at three. Baseball just getting underway. I stopped by the ballpark because I hate not to be at the ballpark on opening day. I, I do love I do love baseball and I love opening day. And I went by and just gave a shout out to the to the folks. Told Brian we're at Franklin on Monday. We will be at Franklin Tire uh, on Monday here with the drive when Brian joins us. And the field looks great. The wind could really be a factor today. And the wind is blowing like out to center right now so um that that could be interesting for the ball for the uh for the baseball game this afternoon we'll keep you updated this week i saw an update on social media of the new uniforms the blue the all blue yeah the Uh, all blue uniform navy yeah i mean again we're not a fashion show i like them sharp i really do think it's an impressive looking uniform that auburn's breaking out for the uh for the season opener yeah i I agree i I like that uh so uh a a new look for this team and i saw the uh the uh, the lineup and new batters three four six and nine Ike Irish hitting third the freshman um, Justin Kirby is hitting cleanup um, the Kansas uh, the Kansas first baseman is hitting sixth and then um, either eighth or ninth is Caden Green so. Um, you know, I'm excited about baseball. I think a lot of folks are. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. A lot going on today. Uh, we'd love for you to join in our number one of the drive, brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, where you can join us with your, your thoughts, uh, comments, questions, by calling 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive Text Box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which is available however you listen to podcasts. You can use your favorite podcasting platform. Just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron, or go to RadioAlabama.net or ESPN 106 or ESPNAU.com and use the podcast center. That's all presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. 
And uh, so with that, we will uh, we'll jump in. I mean, uh, we, we, we'll keep you updated on what's going on on the Diamond here on the, the eve of another big basketball weekend <clears throat> where Auburn heading to Nashville for a, a night game tomorrow night. And and I know I know quite a few people that are headed up to Nashville for the ball game, um, including should, Justin Ferguson, who, who I yeah. understand is uh, is, is going to go to he's been to he said he's never been there. He's never been to Rupp. He's going to get those right? opportunities. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I, I, he's uh, I've actually been to I've been to Nashville for a football game with Vanderbilt, and I've been to Nashville for a basketball. You've never been in Memorial. Have you been in Memorial? I've gym? Never been inside Memorial that is, Gym. That is a different. It's just different than any place else. I've been to Nashville for a football <coughs> game with Vanderbilt uh, back back when I was an Auburn student, and I've been to Nashville for. I mean, I was in Nashville this season for a game. Troy played Belmont. Earlier this year, and I went to to Belmont's campus, which is uh-huh. tucked away uh, in a, a corner of Nashville. We didn't leave; uh, we, we we stayed pretty close to the campus our entire time there. We were just there for for the one night, but no, it's uh, that that's a fun trip, especially if if you give yourself some time to go exploring. And yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have stories and an update from Justin Ferguson the next time we talk to him. Oh, there 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 are a lot of places that uh, you know, a lot of places that that. Would take a back seat to Nashville. Those I mean, are, you can go to Nashville, and, and there are quite a few things to do. Those are two basketball gyms I would like to see, uh, uh, Rupp and, and they Memorial. Are nothing, yeah. There's nothing similar about the two except there's a court, and the goals are 10 feet high. And I, I, mean, think, <laughs> I think they're the two oldest in the conference, too. Is that, that right? That, is Rupp, that is, might be. I knew Memorial. Would, Col- I knew would Coleman Memorial. be in the, in the mix? Where I would, would think Coleman is, too. Okay, those, those would be Rupp, your... Rupp was built... Um, you know, after Tennessee had, after Tennessee had built their big Thompson Bowling, Rupp was built because they wanted something that would hold a lot of people as well. I'm fairly so Coleman, certain Coleman may be older than Rupp. I'm fairly certain Memorial's the oldest. I the, would I would not doubt that of the gyms in use. And then, yeah, may, maybe Coleman's older than Rupp. I don't I don't know the answer to that one. But those would I'm you know what I would guess those are the bot the uh, not the bottom three. That's not that's not the right way to phrase it, is They're it? The oldest. I mean, yeah. the, the the ones with the with the with the most wear. That, that's right. Th- those would be the three oldest gyms in the conference still uh, in, uh, in in commission. Because Coleman was built, um, you know, Auburn built its uh, arena, the the old Beard Eaves Coliseum, and uh, the one and only Beard Eaves Coliseum. Right, uh, and a- Alabama had just built Coleman, I believe. Yeah, all, Beard Eaves opened in '69. Uh, Coleman Coliseum opened. It was Memorial Coliseum at the time. It opened in January of '68, so it's definitely older than Rupp. Um, so, so that's probably. But yeah, I, I would think that uh, the Memorial Gym there uh, at at in Nashville is the oldest, and it is the quirkiest. I mean, you have a lot of obstructed seats, a lot of obstructed view seats there in. Uh, in in memorial you've got a the floor is raised um the, the the bottom row sits beneath floor level the coaches are at at the ends of the court instead of being on the side yeah it's bruce just, always sounds extra <coughs> hoarse at the end no, of he's the game screaming to the other end of the court yeah and and it's i mean if you've heard bruce after a regular game right you know he's already 
Uh, you know, he puts his vocal cords through a pretty. Oh, vigorous, you're right. Pretty he, vigorous test. But yeah, I'm, I'm impressed that he's able to get it back in a in a day or two after that. Yeah, no, it's it's the the radio, and I know we had a caller reference this earlier in the week, but the radio interview immediately following an Auburn game can sometimes be a struggle for Bruce because just the voice just isn't isn't uh, isn't there, and I feel like the Vanderbilt game routinely brings, uh, yeah, the the most the most out of him vocally, and he's going to. Uh, now, what were you? What do you have? Rupp, Rupp uh, opened November twenty eighth, nineteen seventy six. So yeah, it's eight, nearly nine years newer than Coleman Coliseum, but I got nothing on Memorial Gym, which opened in nineteen fifty two. Wow! And then I wonder that, um, is, that is that is an old arena. Am I? May, could there be a gym older than Rupp that we didn't mention? Could the O'Connell in the conference? The O'Connell? No, or the no. The O'Connells. The O'Connells. Maravich. That's. I mean. No. Yeah. There, the there Assembly Center is yeah, new because. So, I, mean, I mean, I can recall just about every place. The Mississippi schools are using new gyms. They now. are. Yeah. Stegman's been around for a while, but uh, it's it, it's been it's been since Rupp. Um, so no, I, that's probably that's probably right. I mean. And that's one of the things, I guess, uh, that's why Cal wants a new arena. He's going, hey, we're, we're pushing 50 years. <laughs> and, and Vanderbilt, I mean, this, this is a team that has found something in the last few weeks. We've been impressed with Jerry Stackhouse. I don't mean to speak for you. Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely wrong. Stegman was just redone. Stegman Coliseum in Athens opened in 1964. Oh, wow. Okay. So Stegman's yeah, older was, than... Yeah. Does, it, does that make it older than Coleman? I forget the year. Yeah, oh, yeah. Coleman was was uh, 76. So Stegman might be the second. 68, oldest. I mean, yeah. So Stegman looks like the second oldest, but doesn't look like anything, nothing within a decade, I think, of uh, Memorial there yeah. in uh, Nashville. Vanderbilt riding a four-game win streak right now. This is a team. They're that, a game back of Auburn in the standings. They're 7-6, and six, Auburn's 8-5. and five. Yeah, I mean, they they seemingly have, I mean, they've they've figured out... I mean, b- between sharing the ball, Liam Robbins had a bunch of points in the most recent game. I mean, they've they've uh, I mean they've they've picked some they've picked it up in the month of February, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting challenge for an Auburn team that just played all things considered its best game of the entire season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Vandy. It's funny because before the game, before that four game winning streak, was the absolute. Demolishment at the hands of Alabama. Remember when they one hundred one forty four? Yeah, yeah. When they lost by nearly sixty points. Since then, they haven't lost. So, um, I, you know, an interesting matchup. I mean, they've got a big man uh, who who is going to be more than a handful for Janai Broom. He's going to have to um, try to, you know, negate him some. But Robbins is a guy that draws a lot of fouls. And Ole Miss and South Carolina are probably two of the. I mean, what you could you want to say they're the two worst teams in the league? LSU's one and twelve. Two of the three worst teams. Yeah, the, those the, two teams are two and yeah. And I think so, they're both two and eleven. Th- those are those are two of Vanderbilt's victories. They did pick up the win in Gainesville, which yeah. is a nice win over the weekend, and then uh, uh, Vanderbilt beat Tennessee. At the buzzer in that game, unbelievable at right. Memorial. I mean, so mm-hmm. it's not just that Vanderbilt's been picking on the bottom of the conference; they also picked up two very impressive wins in this win streak. And I wonder, yeah, I mean, Auburn. This this is a it's a dangerous Vanderbilt team that Auburn's going to have to handle 
because Vanderbilt has, uh, yeah, it's 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 clicking for Jerry Stackhouse and company right now, and it's going to be a. I mean, it's always a tough place to go and pick up a win, but now Vanderbilt is. They're playing the best basketball for an extended period of time. I mean, the the, the Pippen teams and the Dassault teams had moments under Stackhouse earlier in his tenure, but now they're. I mean, they're they're playing the best extended basketball of the of the Jerry Stackhouse era at Vanderbilt, and Auburn's got to go in there and try to snap a four game win streak against a team that, like you were saying, is always difficult uh, playing in that quirky uh, old school gym. Oh yeah, no no question about it. So we'll talk more about that. We'd love your thoughts. What do you think? Um, what do you think of Auburn's chances? What are you thinking about who's, tomorrow? Who's key for Auburn tomorrow? Who do you feel like has to play well if Auburn's going to go on the road and win at Vanderbilt? I think. I you think, think. You know what you want to think about? I don't, it? I don't, well, no, I don't. I don't know that it's just one. I mean, I think it would be great if you get another good game from KD. Um, uh, I think. I think Auburn. You know, there are a few guys that have, that have had pretty good games most of the time lately. You want to do an old school radio tease? You want to you want to, you want to say when you come back? We'll, yeah, we'll I mean, who is? Home. I mean, it's it's really difficult for me to say if this guy plays well, then Auburn wins. Yeah, because if just, a, if that other guy doesn't play well, I mean, Jalen needs to play well. Alan Flanagan needs to play well. KD needs to play well. There's usually pressure on Wendell as the point there guard. Is, and, there is. And, and Wendell I, usually plays well though. And there's going to be a focus on what you can get out of Jani Broom, right? right? I mean, how serious is what? What did you think coming out of the game about the lower body, ankle, foot injury that he suffered? I was I was a little concerned about it because um, you know he was he was really uh, grimacing and and. Uh, um, had it worked on for a while, I was wondering if he was going to come back. Then he came back and landed right on the same lower, you know, same lower leg um, with that second dunk. Mm-hmm. So I hope he's fine. Auburn really, they really need him. If if Auburn gets nothing from Janai, then I think they have a really really difficult time winning. I think unless unless the the reserve forwards step up and have huge games, the notion of Auburn going on the road and beating a quality team in the conference. Without Janai Broom, I think yeah, it's 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 tough to imagine right now. Hopefully, Janai is okay. He was he was talking like someone who was you know was, was feeling pretty good after the game. But Zep, at, well, Bruce had said yesterday he was fine. Zep said yesterday he was fine. Yeah, so, so I mean, so I think, hopefully I think it's, so. You know, they're gonna they're gonna at the very least test it out and see. Ho- hopefully, it's a, a false alarm or a a scare more than anything else. But it's uh, yeah, that that's. His health is his health is really important, and we'll see what Auburn gets out of him when uh, when they take the court on Saturday night. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Just getting underway. Love for you to join in, John. Hang on, you'll be up first when we come back here on the Friday Drive. Now more of the drive, the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And John is up first. Hey, John. Hey, guys. I heard you mention uh, the Vanderbilt game this weekend. I plan on going up, and 
Uh, I actually think that arena is pretty much a complete dump. To be very honest about it, so I'm glad we have our. The first time you go, it's 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 sort of it's interesting because you've never seen you never expect to see college basketball played in a place like that. No, absolutely not. I think that used to be like a, it used to host like an orchestra or the symphony or something like that. I think it's what it once was. So not, not, not exactly an ideal basketball venue, but guys, one thing I kind of wanted to, and you guys can weigh in on this, but, and this may be a little bit nitpicky, but I heard you guys mention Jeff Perlman maybe on your show in upcoming weeks, as I seem to recall. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. Yeah, we're we're working on having Jeff Perlman on in the, uh, in, the in the upcoming weeks. I'm a, I'm a fan of some of his books. I have not read the I have not read the Bo Jackson book. Have you, John? Well, this is actually why I'm calling because I've read the Bo Jackson book. Yeah, I just um, finished it. Let me ask you something. Do you have In the Arena by Pat Dye? Um, yes, I do. That book as well. Yes, I do. Yeah, if you go to okay, if you go to page one thirty two of his book, he makes the claim that Pat Dye misspelled. Greg Pratt's name every single time he referenced it in his own book. And so I kind of, and I went and actually pulled a copy of In the Arena, and that's just not true. I have a copy. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that when I read it, and it's like that didn't ring, that didn't ring right to me. Yeah, so just one thing I wanted to point out, not a huge big deal, but I kind of felt like he took a shot at Pat Dye unfairly in that book. To be very honest about it, as good a book as it is, hey, hey John, but, uh, I, I will I will say, um, and I'm not because I, I believe that Jeff Perlman takes his work seriously based on some of his other books that I've read. Um, I I sent an email to him through his official website, and he responded mm-hmm. uh, within a couple of days uh, with, with a with a polite and thoughtful uh, response, and you know I got the feeling it was actually him. So I I don't know if it's it's. It's something I wouldn't. I mean, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm not encouraging. I don't want to send a social media mob after Jeff Perlman in any way. You know what I mean. But no, I mean that's that's something. If you want to, if you, I mean, if you think it's worth pointing out to him, like I, I would not dissuade you from doing it. Uh, what, while encouraging you to be, and and my interactions with you are, are have been nothing but civil in your time calling the show. But yeah, I would say reach out to Jeff Perlman about something like that, possibly. I think I will, and I completely agree with you because I've read a lot of his books, and I really actually like his work, so maybe that's just an oversight on his part. I just, just reading it, it felt like it kind of was a cheap shot against Coach Dye, but I think that's actually really good advice, so I may, may take you yeah. up on that. I'm not after the social media mob going after him either. That, that's not the wise play. But anyway, that's all I got, guys. I appreciate, I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for the call, John. 334-321-1390. It is an interesting read. To say the least, have you? Have you? And you have read some of his other. Yeah, you've read some of his other books. I mean, just, it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, he finds a way to get really, really great stories out of people. The Mets book, uh, the Bad Guys One, uh, is is a, a fascinating you know account of of that season and the book about the Showtime Lakers. I really enjoyed as well. So I'm looking forward to having Jeff Perlman on the show uh, when he has some time in his schedule. But but yeah, I, I think that's. Uh, uh, I, you know, he rarely has an agenda in in my experience with uh, with Jeff Perlman, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking to him. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Speaking of talking to folks, um, we we we've had more than a few folks mention that uh, they they'd love to hear the John Cohen interview again. I mean, we we encourage you. You know, you can you can hear it on the podcast. But if we have an opportunity. We'll uh, we'll replay that that interview that we had with him just a couple of days ago. Yeah, we opened the show with uh, new Auburn 
At some point, he stops being the new Auburn athletic right. director. But yeah, and still in his maiden voyage, I would say as Auburn AD, uh, Jeff Cohen, uh, John Cohen was uh, was was on the show uh, to, uh, to to begin the the four o'clock hour on Tuesday, and I would uh, yeah, I would encourage people to check out the podcast. But we may, uh, like you said, Bill, we may find some time uh, in, in the show today to rerun that interview too, because I thought it was uh, I thought it was really really good. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind, sports wise, here on the. Uh, Friday edition of the drive, Auburn and Indiana underway. It was scoreless uh, when when we checked just a little bit ago. Just just getting going. Ike Irish reaching base in his first collegiate at bat. Yeah, really, uh, really exciting stuff. Opening day uh, for the Auburn baseball team. A lot of excitement around uh, a new uh, nucleus of. Well, I mean, not so much a new nucleus of players. I mean, you have some of the uh, you have some of the key contributors from last year coming back. But like you said, when you were previewing the roster bill, I mean, there's just a ton of. I mean, I mean, you, you've you've got a ton of new faces battling for uh, positions all over the roster. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, second base, third base um, are two of the spots. Second base, third base, uh, one outfield spot. And then uh, today, I, let's see. Well, you got first. First base, second base, third base. So you do. You've got quite a few. Like I said, there were four new new faces in the lineup. Actually, third base today was Bryson Ware. So uh, you've got competition going on there at third. But today you've got a first baseman, second baseman, outfielder, and D.H., that are new, and uh, and then Chase Awesome getting the start. Uh, I think it's interesting because Butch has always liked having his ace go on Saturday, and there's there's a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of conversation. You know, a lot of teams want to go with their ace on Friday and jump out and try to try to do their best to go ahead and get get up one game, and then anything you can do in the next two games, you split the next two games, you win the series. Butch. Um, prefers or has preferred to go with his ace on Saturday. That way your bullpen is available Friday. You've got a guy that you feel like you can count on to give you more innings and rest the bullpen Saturday and then have everybody else, everybody available on Sunday. Yeah, so I mean, it's a different method of thinking because so many college baseball coaches just go with the Friday ace, right? It's just the guy that you... Uh, the guy that you lean on to start things off and set the tone, and then you you make decisions based on how on how things go on Friday. But by doing it the way uh, Coach Thompson decides to to, to run his uh, his pitching staff, it almost puts puts even more pressure on the ace to perform on Saturday because there's not the safety net mm-hmm. of a fully stocked bullpen behind him. If you have the ace going on Friday and something goes wrong, he runs into trouble in the third inning or the fourth inning, you, you can, if you decide to pull him out, you can go with everyone. All hands are on deck to start a series off on Friday. But if you run a bullpen game on Friday and then your ace runs into some trouble, that's, you know, that then you're, you're, you know, the cupboard is a little bit more bare if you have to pull your race out on Saturday, and it's uh, it makes things all the more tougher, so it it, it puts even more pressure on that uh, that that top of the lineup rotation uh, pitcher to, uh, to to get out there and perform. Chase also uh, got out of the first inning. He struck out two, uh, but gave up a uh, but gave up a walk. 
Second inning, let's see, and Auburn, Auburn scored a run. I mentioned Ike Irish had gotten on base after a walk. An error allowed Irish to score, and Auburn had a one nothing lead. But Indiana has come back. The first two batters, um, a single and then a home run. So I told you the, the, the wind is blowing out towards center. At least it was when I left the ballpark a while ago. And uh, that was a homer over the monster, apparently, uh, by Indiana. And they lead it 2-1. to one batting with nobody out in the top of the second inning. Meanwhile, Auburn softball uh, playing Austin P, and they're about to run rule that one. Um, softball has been just, I mean, absolutely rolling. They had one game where they decided to go with some uh, some inexperienced pitching and against Pitt and gave up some runs. But other than that, they have just been pounding the opposition. They've got the Tiger Invitational where they'll play two games today, two tomorrow, and then a game on Sunday. And they're off to an 11-1 lead in uh, in game one against Austin P. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Bill and Dan here on the Friday Drive. Come on in and join us. Back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 keep an eye on uh, baseball. Two outs now, still two one in Indiana batting, top second uh, in baseball. And uh, let's see, softball is now it's still eleven to one in the top of the fourth. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Love your thoughts on the Auburn Vandy game tomorrow. Anything you want to talk about sports wise? Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a, thank you. There's other, the full slate of, of games in the conference tomorrow, including Auburn and Vanderbilt, which is the Saturday night game on SEC Network. Tennessee goes to Rupp Arena at noon. That's the CBS game. That's a really, I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, you've got Tennessee's a game ahead of Auburn. Kentucky is tied with Auburn. Um, if Auburn gets a win, you know they could they could move up um, you know, and and be tied there for third. If Auburn were to lose, I mean they could with with so many teams as close as they are. I mean a loss tomorrow would be damaging in so many ways. It would hurt because it's a quad two loss, and uh, that would that would drop that that would be a um, a bad loss. It would you know it's crazy. It's not going to be a great win statistically. I mean it's not going to do much for Auburn. If they win, but it can do a lot of damage if they lose. Certainly. And then, and then, in addition to that, I mean, it could drop Auburn uh, out of having the first, you know, the the double buy that the top four teams in the SEC tournament get because there's so many teams battling for that uh, uh, fourth spot right now. Right, and every every subsequent loss from here until the regular season is over damages Auburn's 
tournament resume. And Auburn is already, and Jerry Palm's got Auburn, I think, on the 8-9 line right now, which is a dangerous place to be mm-hmm. because that means you're playing a one seed. If you win... I'd almost rather be an 11 than, or a than 10, an 8 or a 9. Eight or a nine. Yeah, an 8 or a 9. With you, don't, you don't get a 1 nearly as quick. Jerry Palm has Auburn as an 8 in the Columbus, Ohio... Uh, what do, what do you call what do you call the first weekend of action here? Those, those host sites, I guess you call them host host, host cities. But he's got them he's got them playing in Columbus uh, the first weekend against Pitt. That'd be the eight nine game. Pitt's is Pitt in first place in the they ACC. They were tied. Right, I know. Yeah, right right yeah. there. I know Miami's coming on strong. Drew Drew yeah. should know with his uh Miami's third, yeah. One. Oh, Pitt's one yeah. right now. So, so he's got he's got you against the regular season ACC champion and then Purdue. On the yeah. other side of that one, don't don't really want that. Even yeah. though Purdue's been struggling if, lately, if you want, they've if, lost three out of four now. Yeah, I mean if that that is. I agree. It's it's the situation where even even though you're statistically, you're not even. I mean, even though you're nominally in a better position than a an eleven seed or a twelve seed, that side of the bracket is so dangerous because to get to the Sweet Sixteen, not only do you have, do you have to beat a team that's just about as good as you. Uh, you also have to then find a way to beat a one seed when they've got geographic advantages and, and they're one of the top four teams in the draw. It's it, The 8-9 line is, for a team trying to make a lengthy tournament run, mm-hmm. it's happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there was a Kentucky team, right, that went to the... Uh, there was a Kentucky team that went to the Final Four as an 8 seed uh, n- n- or, or a 9 seed. I forget exactly what they were. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bill. Didn't, didn't Villanova... Uh, or, yeah, they were. They were. Or, or it was Villanova or NC State. One, one of those two made it. I think all the way to the Nova. Championship I think in the, was an eight. NC State may have been a nine. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I think, think Nova was. I think, an eight. I think you go know, back. You, you go back to the eighties, right? Uh-huh. I mean, it's, ha- it's happened a couple of times where teams have made deep runs as mm-hmm. eight seed, nine seeds, but generally, that's not that. That's not the. Uh, that's that's not the path to. Uh, tournament success, and so yeah, Auburn needs to uh, Auburn needs to pick up some of these wins. Absolutely. Um, so, what do you think? Um, I, I I don't know. Um, I think Auburn should win. I'm sure not going to you know say I'm guaranteeing it, or I, I feel very strong about it. I mean, because that can be a strange place. The depth perception in there is what one of the things, and it's unusual. Also, I think. For teams that aren't, you know, familiar with it, to be coming down and seeing their bench right in front of them when they're shooting. Historically, don't teams shoot terribly to start games at Memorial Coliseum? Yes. Like that's always been a. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that's old wives' tale and how much of that's like a thing that's rooted in, uh, in, in the you know in, in science. But yeah, it seems like that's something that I I remember hearing for for years and years and years that teams first first ten twelve minutes of the game just really. Struggle from, especially when you think about like the mid range and longer jump shots, three point shots. That's just, it, it's tough to adjust to a, especially, and even, I mean, you can practice there and you can have shoot around there, but those, the gym's still empty. Still not the same. Well, the gym's that's empty. Right. That's right. I mean, I mean, the gym's empty. There aren't, there aren't things moving. Yeah. Suddenly, I mean, you, the, you, you, the you, only way you could do it is if you, you know, you had the chairs that could wiggle or something and move up and down because no. there's going to be, there's going to be, that kind of movement and it's coming from a different, different, completely different perspective. Like I said, because it's a sunken floor. You're seeing half of somebody when you come down court and you're used to seeing, you know, their, their legs. 
You're going to see those. You can try to add some it's noise, crazy. right? I mean, you can bring a speaker or whatever, try to simulate some noise, but you're not yet. Yeah, you're not going to be able to simulate all of that, the full experience, and that's uh, it's got to be tough. And I would imagine, as long as Vanderbilt can stay competitive on the court with the kind of team they field, the more you have this kind of turnover in college basketball, the more teams change, the more you're going to have guys that are going there for the first time. The more you're gonna yeah, have, yeah, the, right. more, the more you're gonna have new rosters full of guys that have never played at Memorial Coliseum before. So it could continue to play to Vanderbilt's advantage, and a lot of the home court advantages in the SEC could follow suit. As far as they'll also be an advantage because they'll be so new to a lot of the players that are cycling into the league with with the kind of roster turnover we're gonna have. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, anything that you want to talk about sports wise? Let's see what else we got uh, uh, going on. This um, th- this weekend we got the got the NBA All Star Game and got uh, three former Auburn players that are going to be participating in in different things around the All Star Game. Are you, where where are you? Not not to give okay yeah let's let's give the let's give the NBA players their their shine too because I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty over NBA All Star festivities. The skin, well I, I mean some some of the things uh, well I mean the 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 the, the, the uh, some of the skills competition and the uh, you, you've got you're both. Jabari and Walker involved in that. Sharif is in. Uh, they've they've got uh, the futures game, the, right? The the best of the G League or the mm-hmm. G League All Star game, uh, and then there's I believe the draft is tonight as well, where they will. Is that tonight or tomorrow, Drew? You got to you got to ignore NBA All Star festivities. I think tonight. I thought it was tonight too. Maybe it's. I, it, they might have changed it though. All right, we'll we'll see. We should know. We'll shoot, we should know the schedule there. But they've got the uh, yeah the 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 draft coming up. The, the where they where they were un- well the the selection show for the uh, for the East you know, for the teams the team LeBron and team Giannis. There's also uh, the uh, three point competition, the uh, the 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 dunk uh, competition, all that stuff. So that, that go nuts. Nobody wants to participate <laughs> in anymore. So. Where are you on? You don't care about these spring football leagues, right? I mean, the, the, not the really. That, I mean, I'll I'll watch a little if there's nothing else on, but I'm not really that. Uh, I'm not really that so interested. Or turn your mic on, Drew. You're jumping. You're jumping on the air for this. Yeah. So the draft is uh, going to happen right before the game on Sunday. Oh really? yeah. Yeah. So they're going to wow. put the teams there. Yeah. So so a lot, lot of t- a lot of time to work together. Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's just like okay, we're picking up. We're going to play. That's like, almost, a real, a like a real, a real pickup game. game. Yeah. That's a real so, pickup game. So is everyone gonna have I like? like is everyone gonna have like a light jersey and a dark jersey and just get their? You, you just, just give out jerseys. Doesn't matter what your number's been. No, but, I, but, you, no, but you know, you, you understand the question. I'm. I, mean, I know. Yeah. I mean, you would just think, gonna wear their uh, regular team jerseys. But the, oh God, then you'd have to remember who you yeah, whose team you're on. You gotta, I mean, I mean, no, that, that would really be bad. That, no, that would work too. But you'd need to bring two. You yeah, need to bring the a, home and the away. Then, what, so, then what you do is everybody gets like uh, uh, day glow headbands, correct, two different colors, correct, so you know who you know who to pass but it correct, to. Correct me if I'm wrong. They used to do that yeah, in no, the All Star Game where to. teams you would wear your home. Oh your, yeah, you'd wear your home white jersey, either and, home white or that's right. So it'd be light or dark. So that would work. So everybody would just need to bring two jerseys. You'd yeah, need to bring, bring your light. Bring your bring your home and road. Bring bring your light and dark jerseys. And and so I I would, but no, maybe they'll do that. Maybe they'll do that because that was cool. It was cool way way back in the day when the NBA and the ABA did that. Or they will, uh, or or they will have. I imagine they'll they, maybe they have two jerseys printed because it, it feels like an opportunity to sell sell replica jerseys or something. Oh like yeah, that. but no, that's. Uh, yeah, that that and this and this concludes our NBA All Star Game 
Uh, pre- That's all right. We pre- spent we spent a longer time we spent a longer time yesterday talking about college wrestling. You missed that. I told you. I, I told Dan about that today. I don't know that you really believe that we did spend 15, 20 minutes uh, talking college wrestling yesterday. So you never know. Right. I, mean, I don't see the phone lighting up not like I did yesterday college, when we talked college wrestling. Not but. college wrestling like with Randy Macho Man Savage. No, You're talking we're talking yeah. Greco-Roman right. amateur wrestling. Which is still a, I missed the conversation yesterday, still a big draw in parts of the country. The it big, is. The big it's, still po- it's, it's still popular in high school in the state of Alabama. One of the Big Ten programs, it was either it was either Penn State or Iowa, and and there's maybe a third. And you know why? Seriously, too. You don't you don't have to buy all kinds of equipment, either. But but I think they had a they had a consecutive sellout streak at their you know basketball arena, mm-hmm. and I mean there there were and it's not a commonplace thing in the Big Ten for the wrestling team to sell more tickets to the you know their average meet than. The basketball team, but there I are would some. Say bo- that the state of Iowa. There are some bottom of the. There are some yeah. bottom of the conference programs where that's you know that's, oh, yeah. that's absolutely in the cards. So no, it's uh, uh yeah that 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 is it's an interesting subject that you guys wandered into yesterday with uh, with, with Justin Ferguson. Well, you just yeah again you you never know you never where know, we're going. No, you, you never, never know, know where we're going. going, and and callers can can lead us in a lot of different directions. We, so. we, we should um and and I'm gonna see if I can I'm gonna see if I can wrangle Steve Whitten in here too. We should mention a subject that's near and dear to your heart, Bill. Mardi Gras is coming up. You got the parade. It is Tuesday. Parade Tuesday is next Tuesday. Parade tomorrow. A lot of places Which happens are, to be my sister's birthday. Lo, too. A lot of places are doing their parades this, this weekend. weekend. Yep. In, in commemoration the of Mardi Gras. Tigress. In, 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 including uh, yeah, including yeah. Uh, Auburn with the, the crew to Tigris, which is uh, uh, downtown Auburn tomorrow. At uh, 3 p.m. Yes, and and sad to let folks know oh. that, that they won't be able to see the Jambulance. Oh, man. I think the, the Jambulance has officially um, been, it's 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 been laid to rest. We should have Or it's people, laid itself to rest. We should have people pulling it. It won't move. It, like, a, like a New Orleans funeral, <laughs> right? Should. We should have a band. Oh, we should. We should have a band, you know, in front of it and behind it and, 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 and oh, singing man. and dancing yeah. as, we, as we drag the Jambulance to whatever... Junkyard, we're stashing that thing. Junkyard in, in the sky <laughs> for the jabulous. Three p.m. tomorrow, downtown Auburn. Though it's uh, it's going to be it three. I was thinking it was two. Was I'm, it three. I'm uh, I'm I'm told I'm told three p.m. Okay. By uh, but by maybe it's like everything uh, you know other festivities and things. But my get source, going. my source is I have a source okay. deeply embedded. I got gotcha. you in the uh, in in the crew, and uh, and they're uh, they're telling me three p.m. tomorrow. So that's uh, yeah. That there's going to be uh, the parade. And uh, it's it's always a lot of fun. So if you're in the Auburn area uh, tomorrow, uh, check out the uh, check out the Mardi Gras parade. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let me have, check. We will check have a station. Scores. We will have a station vehicle. By yes, the way, the station yes. vehicle. It not, just not won't be, be the ambulance. Yeah, it won't be the ambulance. No, uh, it's uh, the wings wagon, as I as I like to call it, is going to be uh, called into action for the parade uh, tomorrow. And and yeah, it's a uh, uh, yeah, it's it's, a, it's a bittersweet because it's not the same thing. Uh, without the ambulance, but it's still going to be a great time, and I encourage everyone to uh, check out the Mardi Gras parade if they can. Auburn does run rule Austin P in their first game of the uh, Tiger Invitational uh, as they an eight-run second uh, led their way to an eleven-one run rule victory for the uh, for the Tigers. Uh, meanwhile, over at uh, Sanford Stadium, Hitchcock Field at Plainsman Park. Let's just call it Plainsman Park for the rest of the day. Auburn trying to uh, um, come back after giving up a two-spot at the top of the second. 
Auburn has runners at first and second, two down in the bottom of the second. Indiana leading Auburn by the score of two to one. We'll keep you updated. Love to hear from you as we continue here on the Friday Drive. Zero three three. You're live on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of hour number one of the drive. Auburn softball with a win already, and they will play again. They won eleven to one, and uh, and uh, what is what's what run rule eleven one TKO win. I believe yeah. is the official yeah. term. I, I I was like stuck with walk off in yeah. my head, and it's like no, that's not his run rule. Uh, meanwhile, Should they call it a TKO. Do you, would you like that more than run rule? If it officially went down in the. Uh... The referees waved it off. You need you need referee stoppage. I I need you I need you to come up with three words that would fit the TKO. If you can find that, then you can do it. All right, give me give me it's another. Not, it's not a technical. Check back in. Check yeah, back right. in at the end. Meanwhile, yeah. over at Plainsman Park, Ike Irish at the plate in a big situation um, got credited with a base hit. His first time an infield hit. His first at bat. Uh, he is batting with two down and the bases loaded and Auburn trailing it two to one. Uh, and he has uh, grounded out. So Auburn uh, now, as they go to the third, it is Indiana leading Auburn by the score of 2-1. to one. Sticking with baseball. Today, some news coming out. Um, as as we got, uh, we, we both got notices from MLB about uh, Hall of Famers. Yeah, the uh, statement issued by the uh, Hall of Fame uh, regarding a couple of players that will be inducted Later this we, year, we had asked about you. Yeah, yeah, we had asked when word came out that Scott Rowland was a Hall of Famer. Which hat would he be wearing? Right. So Scott Rowland uh, announcing in a, a statement that the uh, that the Hall of Fame put out that uh, he will wear a, a St. Louis Cardinals uh, cap uh, in in a uh, let's let's I'll see if I have the quote. Quote, I believe this decision accurately represents a pivotal portion of my career based on our team's successes in St. Louis. I'm grateful to Philadelphia, St. Louis, Toronto, and Cincinnati for the opportunities given to me as a player. More importantly, for how they embraced me and my family, unquote. So uh, Roland will wear a Cardinals hat. Fred McGriff, uh, who will also be inducted this summer, uh, will not wear a logo on his hat. Uh, that was, I guess, as a gesture to all of the fan bases there uh, that, that Fred McGriff uh, was able to play for Toronto, San Diego, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Chicago, and the L.A. Dodgers. Yeah, when you play with a lot of teams, and he was successful with more than a couple. And Very and successful Fred, with more than a couple. Fred McGriff put out a statement, quote, uh, in discussing my career with the Hall of Fame, we decided that with no logo on my plaque, I can, accu- I can equally represent these cities and the incredible fans in Toronto, where I got my start, Atlanta, where we won the World Series, and my hometown of Tampa Bay, as well as my time in Chicago, unquote. Didn't mention the Cubs. Interestingly, the one the one that gets uh, left off there, Drew, is uh, that McGriff put out a statement where he mentioned four of the five teams. I, I didn't remember him in Chicago. I really don't remember him. I don't remember him with the Cubs at all. I believe he was. I believe he was added to the Cubs during. Um, maybe that was the maybe that was the Mark Pryor team, right? Or or, or the year that that timeline would fit right. One of those seasons. 
Like the year with the yeah. maybe with with McGri- I don't know. And, all right, was- Scott Rowland. By the way, all right, it's, it's really cool. Baseball Reference will split things up. Uh, Scott Rowland, seven years with the Phillies, six years with the Cardinals, four years with the Reds. His seven years with the Phillies, uh, he batted two eighty six with one hundred and fifty homers. His six years with the Cardinals, he batted two eighty two with one hundred and eleven homers, and he won. Three gold gloves with the Phillies, four gold gloves with the Cardinals. Won a World Series with the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, but his numbers are almost dead even with those two Le- teams. Left, I think, I think the left the Phillies on kind of bad terms. Well, it was traded mid. It was traded ha- while he was having a really good season. Right. He wanted he wanted more, and they were like, "No, you're not." You know, we're, we're trying to rebuild, and they and they dealt him. There was I him. forgot who they dealt him for. Uh, uh, somewhere in here, I could find that, but. Uh, but yeah, he had he was he was an all star with with both of those. I'd forgotten. And of course, we're not. Of course, we're not. Uh, we're not allowed to mention Fred McGriff without disclosing that I was at Fred McGriff's That's first right. game as an Atlanta Brave, which was the night that Fulton County Stadium uh, caught fire and the game was. And delayed. so did the Braves. The game. The game From was that de- point on. The game was delayed for several hours, and it was a hot, humid night in Atlanta because it was mid July, uh, and. Uh, we uh, we ended up leaving the game early uh, and missed a great Braves comeback. And now, whenever Fred McGriff is in the news for any reason, I get heckled by family members via text and other uh, methods of communication because Fred McGriff is uh, associated with that. Hey, he's a with, Hall of Famer. With, That's with right. That game where I didn't drink enough water. So uh, so yeah, some interesting news. And we were talking about some other guys that are are logo lists. In the Hall of Fame, yeah, there's a, a few, including. I some, hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about that. Some recent inductees: Roy Halladay's on that list, Greg Maddox, uh, Mike Messina, uh, Tony Larusa, Catfish Hunter. The list, and then there's the, the Yogi Berra oh, has a I sort of a Catfish was well, that makes sense. He was yeah. great with the A's and the Yanks. According to ESPN, that's uh, the five the five huh. players in the uh, Hall of Fame with uh, caps with no logos. Fred McGriff will join that list this summer. All right, when we come back, if we get an opportunity, we will uh, replay our interview with Auburn AD John Cohen. But we'd love to hear from you as we head into hour number two of the Friday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Doug Brown. Padres third baseman Manny Machado plans to opt out of his contract after the upcoming season to become a free agent. Machado signed a 10-year, $300 million deal in San Diego back in 2019. After five years and two Super Bowl wins as the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy will be the new offensive coordinator for the Commanders with full play-calling responsibilities, which he did not have in Kansas City. The Jets plan to meet with free agent quarterback Derek Carr, who was cut by the Raiders this week. ESPN's Rich Samini says the Jets could recruit Carr by pointing to their defense. They have the fourth-ranked defense in the league. And interestingly, that is a foreign concept to Derek Carr. Uh, the Raiders' defense has been historically bad since Carr broke into the league. 
in 2014. Rich Samini on Canty and Carlin. New Broncos coach Sean Payton hires 75-year-old Mike Westhoff to be the team's new assistant head coach. He hasn't coached in the league since 2018. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in, hour number two of the Friday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here in the studio on this Friday afternoon. Hope everybody doing well. Be prepared. It's going to be a cold night. Below freezing tonight. Mm. The wind's going to continue, so it's going to feel even colder than the 29 or 30 degree low. It's going to feel closer to maybe the upper teens this evening. So be prepared for that. we got highs in the 80s next week. By next Thursday, I was I seeing possibly upper 80s. Yeah, yeah. Highs Upper the- 80s. I mean, it's going to be like 50s tomorrow, 60s Sunday, 70s Monday, 80s by Wednesday, and upper 80s like, by Thursday. It's like an oldie station. Yeah. Right? And then and today. Uh, but no, it's the... Uh, no, it's, it's uh, great yeah. weather for 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 uh, you know people's health. So what is it? What, uh, <laughs> what are what is it? Uh, pipes, plants, and pets, right? Yeah, and people. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah, Any, anybody you anybody you let sleep outside on a routine basis, you need to bring in. Yeah, but, the four P's, I guess, is the the thing you need to be concerned with. But it's not going to actually. When the wind is blowing this much, uh, um, you know, you protect obviously plants. Pipes shouldn't shouldn't be a problem. Pets, pets, absolutely. It's a cold. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cold. Uh, Dusty's inside tonight. Yeah, There's no question a, about that. I brought one. him in last it's night thinking it was going to storm. You know, we had all this. Oh, you know. Closing things early, better prepared for the worst, and have nothing much happen, which is what it was yesterday. I mean, there was talk of, you know, severe weather, and, and I mean, I, I was thinking hail and frogs and all kinds of stuff would be, you know, coming down. But, biblical. You were but, thinking it was going to get but, biblical. But, I mean, it just sort of, it just rained a little. And 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 I'm glad that that's all it was. But yeah, be prepared for tonight. Mostly missed us to the north, right? Because yeah, I drove. That's true. I was bracing to drive through some really ugly stuff. Yeah, you were you were south, either to or fro, and instead it was. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we I was able Why does to fro uh, get used more. I know, I love it. But it's where'd uh, you come fro? <laughs> yes, it's, it's a drive classic. So, uh, yeah, oh. I, I was expecting either uh, hither or yawn. I was expecting to, uh, to, uh, to 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 encounter some pretty nasty weather, but no, it was pretty pretty calm drive. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what tonight brings. But like you said, be aware it's going to get real cold oh, yeah, overnight. That, that is true. And Dan's got his shorts on, so he's prepared. All right, uh, hour number two of the drive brought to in, you by I'm indoors. I'm in, I'm indoors. You are, but you're going to have to go outdoors to get in your car. That's true. I'm, um, I'll be moving as quickly as I have in weeks. And that will be something I'm, I may record that. <laughs> three, three, let's see, hour number two, I hadn't even said, who it's brought to you by, 
It's the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And uh, we, we'd love to hear from you, uh, your thoughts on anything going on in the world of sports. And the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. And it's the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can get however you listen to podcasts. Go to RadioAlabama.net, ESPNAU.com, or use the uh, use your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron. It's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, and I would encourage you, especially some of the episodes we've had this week, we've talked to some uh, people who have a lot mm-hmm. of information about the uh, stuff that we like to talk about, including uh, someone that I think uh, we're, we're going to rerun a little excerpt from a podcast here. Again, it's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Right. Uh, yeah, we, we had a chance to talk Tuesday with Auburn Athletics Director John Cohen, and uh, since we don't have any calls right now, we'll uh, we'll let you hear um, some of our conversation with Auburn's AD. John, first, I want to want to welcome you in to the drive, uh, and and just uh, just ask how things are going now. They're going well, Bill and Dan. I appreciate y'all having me on, and uh, boy, a lot lot going on. I, last week we had thirteen different teams in action here on the plains, and. Uh, baseball gets kicked off this week. Softball started last weekend, and uh, yeah, just just a lot of excitement here. Oh, absolutely! Now here we're going to give you an example of the hard hitting questions that we have here on the drive. Some of the directions we go. It's it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's, everybody! Valentine's Day today. John Cohen was hired on Halloween. So, John, what is your favorite non Christmas holiday? <laughs> oh man. You got me. I, I'm, I'm a huge Thanksgiving fan I, because I've always just loved college football so much. And, you know, it's just what an incredible week of football um, on th- around Thanksgiving. And, of course, my background, you know, there's a little bit of Egg Bowl experience with the uh, Thanksgiving Day. And, you know, so many cool things that time of year, you know, volleyball's in full sprint. Uh, Full go and soccer's in full go and a lot of football during Thanksgiving. So I'm, I'm going to stay with Thanksgiving. Yeah, that 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 works for me. All right, yeah. So a little fun there at, at the at the start, but I'm sure it hey, has hey, been. Let me let me bring this up too, though. Sure. It also gives me an opportunity to scream at my all my relatives who went to Alabama and uh, and tell them, you know, just give it to them. You know, that's that's uh, a great opportunity. Thanksgiving it well. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. Talking with John Cohen, <laughs> Auburn AD here on the on the Tuesday drive. Uh, yes, a little over three months now, and it, and I'm sure it's been a whirlwind. You were talking about all the things that are going on, but that in in addition to that, obviously uh, you, you you've hired uh, Hugh Freeze as head foot head football coach, and things are off to a great start there as far as the acquisition of talent. But uh, uh, just just some of the things that I mean. I, I wonder, have have you guys had a chance to, to settle in a little bit? Yeah, you know, it's uh, anytime you move, you know, it's, it's a transitional experience. And, and uh, actually, my wife, Nell, is in Starkville right now, putting some things together and, and bringing them back to the Plains. Uh, we're so excited to be here. It, it, the, the folks, the Auburn people have been just so welcoming. And the hospitality has been incredible. And, and, of course, this Auburn spirit is something that, 
uh, has really moved me. Uh, I've always heard about it. I, I've been around it, uh, but not inside it. And uh, it, it's just an incredible place to be. And uh, really look forward to, as you mentioned before, working with Coach Freeze and and uh, getting our football program where it needs to be. John, uh, the um, the move from Mississippi State, your alma mater, where where you where you played and coached for a long time. Just talk about. I, I'm sure that that was a, uh, a a difficult, really a difficult decision to make. But just talk about what what there was uh, about Auburn that really um, really spurred the move. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know. Uh... Mississippi State will always be part of my DNA. You know, I went to school there. I was a student athlete there. You never forget those experiences. By the way, I, I also have a degree from the University of Missouri, so I have two SEC schools. I, I, guys, I've actually lived in seven SEC cities, if you can believe that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love my experience at Mississippi State. Uh, Dr. Mark Keene, I'm one of the great presidents in the entire country. Uh, so much fun. Uh, obviously, a great to be there, enjoyed our time. But th- this was just a great opportunity for Nell and I. Um, Auburn's a really special place, and we just welcome this challenge. I, I-, I think, obviously, Auburn has so many positive things having go- going on, but every single institution has some challenges, and I felt like uh, my skill set really matched uh, what was needed at Auburn, and it, it was just a, a unique opportunity that just couldn't walk away from and uh, haven't regretted it one minute uh, because, again, you can feel this Auburn spirit, and not only in our, our students here, uh, not only the faculty and staff on this campus, um, but, but our former student-athletes as well. I mean, it's just, you know, I've, I've made this comment before. When you have athletes who have attended Auburn who have transcended their sports, I'm talking about the Rowdy game. The Bo Jacksons, um, the uh, Charles I mean, uh, Charles Barkley. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, the the big hurt, Frank Thomas, mm. the only FCC player in history who's in the Hall of Fame. That's still they, amazing. They, they to transcended me. their sport. Yeah, that's incredible. You're right because I mean, right now in the big leagues, there's a, I think there's over a hundred FCC players in the big leagues, and yet only one Hall of Famer who just happens to be an, an Auburn alum. So yeah, just just. Um, the tradition here and the athletes who have come through this this great athletic department, this great university, uh, just just a ton of positives. John, it's uh, Dan Peck here. First, first of all, Palmero should be in, but I don't want to get us sidetracked on on something else. But there's <laughs> well a can of worms there. Well, one, one of our one of our best friends who played baseball here oh. back when I was doing the play by play is good friends with Will, and uh, and and he constantly is is. You know, wondering why why he's not. There's some so. other SEC players with, with good arguments <laughs> that aren't that aren't in, in Cooperstown. Uh, John, it's nice to talk to you again. Actually, as as a matter of fact, about a year and a half ago, uh, I moonlight as the radio play by play guy for the Troy Trojans women's basketball team. And about a year and a half ago, uh, we were in Starkville uh, for a tournament, and uh, and and we briefly exchanged pleasantries uh, at one of the games at, at that event. But it's uh, it's it's nice to talk to you again in, in a different capacity here. In Auburn, and, and I'd love to know uh, your initial impressions of some of Auburn's facilities as athletics director, especially uh, the Waltus Center, which, which just opened up the new football uh, training facility, and, and some of the other things that Auburn has to offer its coaches and players. Certainly, yeah, I, I think the Waltus Center, and, and what a what a human, what a tremendous man, Walt Waltus and his family. Um, 
pl- pledged uh, a, a nice gift to for that that building to become a reality. And I, guys, I haven't seen them all. I've seen a lot of them, but I've, I, I haven't seen them all. But this is certainly the best football facility of its kind I've ever seen. Um, I, I think it's a tremendous advantage for our football student athletes. Um, <clears throat> I will say that we're about to start some some construction uh, in the near distant future on baseball, making some improvements there. What an incredible job Butch Thompson has done here. Um, of course, the, the Neville Arena, I think, is is one of the best in the SEC, one of the great atmospheres in the country. Um, but we we need some help in, in some areas. You know, we have to do some work uh, eventually on our the north end zone. I think that uh, – we need to do some work with our, our softball facility, although I think we just built one of the best indoor facilities for softball in the entire country. Uh, soccer needs a little help. Um, I think there's several areas in which we can improve, but I think overall there's no question that Auburn has outstanding facilities. Well, you knocked off one of the uh, questions I had, and that's some folks were wondering about the possibilities there over at Jordan-Hare. So we'll move on uh, to something else. Boy, I mean, it's an ever-changing face that of college athletics and the southeastern conference we now know that texas and oklahoma will be joining the league for 2024 and uh, that means there will be changes in the in the scheduling and uh, you know, i've been a proponent of the nine game three three permanent six rotating nothing is finalized yet but uh things are going to be different i mean we're we're going to the uh, to the larger postseason playoff uh it, it's going to be uh really interesting as as we move along just some of your thoughts with texas and oklahoma coming into the league and and the future of scheduling well you, you certainly mentioned you know a three six scheduling model <laughs> is attractive for many reasons of course it expands um, what, what's going to be available to our partners, our multimedia rights partners. It also makes your season ticket, um, I, you know, it makes your season ticket uh, package a little more exciting, a, a lot more teams that you haven't seen before coming uh, to your place. But I, I will say this about the 1-7, uh, the, the, the old eight-game schedule. It mm-hmm. hasn't been bad for the Southeastern Conference. Oh, it's I been mean, great. If you look at the history you know, of all the, the the leagues in the country that have been playing nine conference games, how, how many of those conferences have been producing either a national championship team or a team playing for a national championship? Of course, in the Southeastern Conference over the last 14 years, uh, it's been a very common occurrence for an SEC team to be right there. So I don't think our scheduling has hurt us in that regard. Um, so I, I think both of those different scheduling models has a lot to, to offer. One is tradition. One is a little bit more of a, is it really broke? Do we need to fix it? And one is, yeah, there, there are more opportunities with more uh, conference games. It seems that uh, the, uh, the only scheduling that most folks have, have even thought about is football, but 16 teams is going to change things for scheduling in every sport. It will. And, you know, it, it, one of the tough things about it, I mean, if you take baseball just as an example, Right, so you're going to play ten SEC weekends. You know what? What if you play ten SEC weekends in the sport of baseball, and you miss the five best teams in the league? Right. You know, I mean that's that could happen. I mean, you, you look at a sport like baseball. You you play your ten weekends, and you say, okay, we missed the five best teams in the SEC, and even though we just won the SEC outright, 
and I'm talking about any team in the league can win this league because it's that good, but okay, we, we just missed five of the best teams in the league, so our RPI as the league champion might be 22, and the team that finishes in fifth place, RPI might be number two or three in the country because they might have played the most difficult schedule in the SEC. So that variance is going to cause some um, – it's going to be really fun for fans to follow that. You know, in, in a sport like basketball, you're going to cover the league. You're going to play mm-hmm. every team at least once. Um, and, and, but, you know, it's, it's more like softball. You know, eight conference weekends and you have 16 teams. So you have 15 possible opponents. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're going to have some snafus where you're going to say, wow, I didn't get to play much. That's one of the reasons, one of the things I love about what's going to happen in football forever. You know, I'll just use Kentucky as an example. Under the old uh, scheduling model with football, Auburn's playing Kentucky at home once every 12 years. You know, we're, uh, Auburn's going to Kentucky once every mm-hmm. 12 years. You know, that's, that's not what the college experience is supposed to be. I, I, I remember playing myself, even though it was 100 years ago, guys. Getting to go to every one of the conference campuses matters. It matters. And it matters I think to all fans, too. are going to get that opportunity. Yes, exactly. Talking with Auburn University Director of Athletics, John Cohen, here on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. John, what can you tell us about the role NIL plays in assembling a roster in modern college athletics and where Auburn is positioned on an NIL front uh, right now? Well, certainly it, it's, it's something that it's become increasingly important. Um, you know, so, so many student athletes uh, want the opportunity and I, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. I, I want, I do believe that uh, our student athletes should have every opportunity in the world to make money off their name, image and likeness. Unfortunately, that's not really what's happening around, happening around the country right now. What's happening is um, there are, you know, groups, different types of groups who are uh, essentially, uh, you know, not absolutely requiring young people to, to earn the money necessarily. Uh, they're, they're collecting and, and giving them money and not necessarily what it was intended to do. And I think what it was intended to do is to test young people and allow them to uh, use their own ingenuity and, and go out and make money specific to their name, image, likeness. And, and of course, we know it, it's grown into something besides that. It's grown into a free agency that is a little bit unrecognizable for us. So I do think we need guardrails. I think we need some clarity. And I, I think things need to change. I've heard this many times, guys, and I really believe it. Um, it's never going to be like it was before, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the way it is right now. And I, I hope that we can make some changes that are they're going to clarify some issues around name, image, and likeness for our student-athletes. And, and, and you're absolutely not the only person that, that is uh, hoping that, that exact thing. Uh, in the final couple minutes that we have, I had quite a few other things, but we obviously can't keep you uh, for too long. Wanted to get your thoughts on uh, some of the announcements today that are coming out as a longtime uh, baseball coach. The, the rules, the new rules that are being implemented this year in the NCAA in baseball, the, the clock, we've seen the clock, but the mound visit clock, the pitching change clock, and then the 10 run rule, uh, implemented for conference games. Just your, your thoughts on those. 
Well, I, I'm, I'm probably alone in my beliefs here, but baseball had to do something, guys. It can't be a three-hour and 12-minute game in the Southeastern Conference. It needs to be a two-hour and 30-minute game, and that's the way it used to be. But that was before, you know, we heard walkout songs 80 times during the course of a ball game. It was before every pitcher had to have a walkout song. <laughs> it was before, you know, we, we picked 20-something times to get a relief pitcher warmed up in the bullpen. Um, Major you know, League that, might be to blame for that walkout song stuff, right? It's, it's Charlie Sheen coming out to Wild Thing <laughs> that got everybody wanting to be wanting to be that guy. I seriously had a question to ask John what his walkout song was or would have been. So, you know what? I I can't remember. I know that this was in 1989, 1990. It was starting to happen. Uh-huh. But I can't remember exactly what it was. John, what can you uh, br- briefly, and I know that you could go for, for a while about this, but but your impressions of the job Coach Freeze has been doing in his first uh, f- few weeks uh, as Auburn head coach? Yeah, he's done a tremendous job. I mean, you look at the recruiting class as it was, as it stood when he got here and look at it the way it is today, guys. He just he's done a great job. And, and keep this in mind, I, we throw around this term recruiting a lot, and, and in my the way I see it, it's not a ton of, uh, it's not as much recruiting as it is evaluation, right? There are a lot of kids out there who want to play SEC football. I, I think about 80 to, to 90% of it is evaluating the right young person for your program. And then 20% of it or 10% of it is talking them into it. Um, it's got to be a great fit. It just, it has to be a great fit. Uh, you've seen four stars and, and five stars, highly regarded kids maybe not go to the right program for them and, and, and have it not turn out very well. Um, I, I just love the process. It's not foolproof, but I love the process that Coach Breeze and his staff have gone through to evaluate the right kids and, and to bring them to Auburn University, and I think it's only going to get better. You know, I, our class is a top-20 class right now. Um, uh, we've, we've done very well with the transfers that were available to us. Um, but I, I think as you move forward, I, I think Coach uh, Freeze's classes are going to continue to get better and better. Talking with uh, with John Cohen, Auburn Ath- Athletics Director here on the Drive, and and uh, and and John, I I really um, uh, just looking at your background, you you have been around, been under uh, some some very prominent ads, and you also come from a little different area than most ads, having played and then coached. So uh, just just talk about drawing from from all those different resources. Yeah, I you know I think. Having been a coach, it's a very unique perspective because, you know, uh, it's funny. Over my career, I, I've had uh, I've had coaches say, "Hey, John, this is a tough place to to win." You know, wherever I've been, and uh, <laughs> and I'll say, "Hey, uh, do you think it's difficult to win in baseball at Kentucky?" Because uh, I've been there and I've done that, and I know how difficult it can be in, in this league. Um, when you're the, the northernmost uh, school in a southern uh, warm sport, um, it's difficult. It's challenging. But I, I've been through a lot of the challenges myself, and, and I've had some advantages during the course of my career, but, but I've been in some places that were, were challenging. So right. um, I think I can relate. I, I know that these coaches take it home with them every night, and wins and losses are excruciating. Uh, you know, wins have become relief, and losses have been torture. Um, there, there's, you know, there hasn't for, for coaches, sometimes you can get to a point where there's not a lot of joy left. And I'm, I am in a great position now in some ways to, to provide some comfort to our coaches 
maybe some guidance at times. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I have failed and succeeded enough to where I feel like I can, be, um, I can help a, a lot of coaches during the process. John, we really appreciate you spending some time. Know you're sort of running the uh, the gauntlet right now with, uh, with with a bunch of different folks, uh, a lot of us. So we really appreciate you uh, knocking out a few minutes, spending it with us. Hey, you're welcome anytime that you want here on the drive. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for the invitation. Yes, sir. That's John Cohen, uh, and we were very pleased to uh, be able to spend some time with him on Tuesday. And yes, welcome him back anytime. We've been keeping you up on Auburn baseball, and I was told earlier this week that probably sometime next week we'll get Auburn coach Butch Thompson here on the drive as Justin Kirby just homered for the Tigers, and Auburn uh, had a three spot in the third. Kirby involved in that, but he hits Auburn's first home run of the season in the bottom of the fourth. Kirby, the Kent State transfer who had 15 homers last year at Kent, um, homering to left field, and Auburn leading 6-2 now over Indiana. The Tigers with a run in the first. Indiana came back with a two-run homer in the top of the second, but Auburn three in the third, two in the fourth, and now leading Indiana by the score of 6-2. Freshman Ike Irish, two for three on the afternoon. He had singled ahead of that two-run homer. Kirby officially now one for one. He had walked twice before that that's a nice debut for the for the Tigers opening day cleanup hitter, Justin Kirby. Cooper McMurray, by the way, the the big first base transfer um, from Kansas is a one for two on the day. Yeah, Ware and uh, Green uh, had RBI. Caden Green in, yep. the, uh, in the rally as well. So Auburn, uh, you know, get, getting it with a little, little bit of small up ball, and down the then, lineup. Yeah, eight then, hits. But but then uh, the, the the opposite of small ball when uh, when you get one over the uh, over the fence from Kirby. Oh yeah, so uh, Auburn up six to two, as the uh, Tigers still batting in the bottom of the fourth. We'll get to uh, we need to get to break. Stick with us. We've got over half an hour to go here on the Friday Drive. We got behind, obviously, there on the uh, replaying the interview with John Cohen. So we'll go ahead and get caught back up. We'll run our bottom of the hour break. Then we'll have a half an hour. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That's the Kia of Auburn Hotline as we continue here with the Friday Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here. Final 25 minutes on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan. 
And we'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise, um, we, we talked some Auburn-Vandy basketball, how important that ball game is earlier. Drew, are we back on track uh, break-wise? Or we yes. Still need to, okay, yeah, we're, we're fine we're, now. We're, we're good to go. I was going to complain uh, in, in something that just right before we went to the, the John Cohen interview, something when that, that I just observed in looking at uh, different projections of the NCAA tournament and the field was that... Uh, I think you've got a very good point. Well, yeah. and it's so J- Jerry Palm has... Uh, he projects the entire field, which is uh, now not a 64-team field. Uh, they've 68, expanded it. 68, right? 68, yeah. There, there are four, mm-hmm. uh, four uh, first-round games, the first four. That would be pre-round. I know. They're, they're pre-first. Well, they, they, object, know. they object to any sort of professional... Uh, you know they, they don't want they don't want it referred to as a play in as a play in game by their promotional partners. But that's what it is. Things like that. But yes, there are there are two games featuring the final uh, the final four teams on the bubble. The last four in play in two games, uh, generally for eleven or twelve seeds. And then there are two games featuring the four teams that are at the very bottom of the of the field. Uh, the uh, the the Four, you know, uh, lowest rated automatic qualifiers play two games to be 16 seeds. And I've always thought, even before I became sort of an advocate for a, a mid-major program with, with the, the Troy women, um, I've always thought that the teams that are forced to play in those two play-in games, the automatic qualifiers that are put into the play-in games to be 16 seeds, they sort of get the short end of the stick when it comes to an NCAA tournament experience. And I just really, I mean, I, I'd be okay with a, I'd be okay with a 64 team tournament and just say, sure. But hey, if you, if you want to go 68, I, I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent that the teams that win their tournament, those are automatic bids. That should be automatic bids to the 64. Sure. And, and I think that's where if you want to have four, if you want to have a 68 team field, then have four games featuring Bubble teams, four well, you, games you, featuring the last four teams or the last eight teams on the line. And you're always hearing last four in, first four out. Go ahead, play those teams. You know, let, let's go ahead and play the, um, you know, if there's a question about those teams, go ahead and play the last four in, the the the, 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 the last four in, the first four out. Have them play yeah, for those four spots. Absolutely. I mean, have a, have a day of basketball. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, you've been talking about them all year long. Right. And and that's, um, you know, if you want to determine the 12 line on the bracket that way, you know, with, with those four yeah. games or something like that, do it. But I, uh, yeah, I just, I mean. The 12 or the 13, whatever, it, you know, wherever it fits. Yeah, however, however you want to do it. But seeing, yeah, seeing four, uh, you know, automatic qualifiers projected to, you know, have to play in those. Those sixteen seed games, it just it bo- it bothers me a little bit to see. No, I was going to say when you get to the end of the sentence, I want you go ahead, go through his last four, his last four in, first four out, and that would be some interesting games. Right. Well, so I'd be much more interested in those teams than I am in some of those games, and I know they don't want to call them play in, but those first round games. Yeah, let me see who Lenardi's got sort of at the uh, at, at the front end of of his bubble because he would have um, he, he would have a And M and uh, eight, well, does it, does he do it alphabetically? It's not really. That. Well, still, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Lenardi's got Lenardi does more of a, of a of a last, you know, predicting who's at the, at the very end of that thing. But he's um no, just a uh, 
I mean, no, you're right. It would, it would be very compelling matchups between some of the... Because didn't you have Arkansas? Was Arkansas in or so he's trying got, to look, get look, in? Jerry Palm has Arkansas and Wisconsin in the play-in game. And All then right. he's also got... A&M and West Virginia. So he's probably got A&M as, as the last team in the probably in, so. in, in the draw overall. And then and then after that I guess some of the teams that he would have just out, you know, crawling to uh, uh to get back to that would be um you know some some of his some of his top bubble teams. Kentucky is probably in that uh conversation. North Carolina is uh is, now, wouldn't is, it be cool to have there. something like that? Yeah. And and we've said before if the if the committee can have a North Carolina Kentucky playing game it's going to be tough for them to resist the. Uh, it's going to be tough for them to resist that that sort of temptation. Yeah, like um, uh, who was it? Twenty four seven or CBS Sports had um, West Virginia, North Carolina. Um, let's see, they're uh, have to re- yeah the last four, and they've got West Virginia, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Mississippi State. And their first four out, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Arizona State, and Oregon. Yeah, l- that that would be really entertaining. Lenardi's a lot more bullish on, and I actually had not seen that Lenardi's, one of Lenardi's playing games right now is Kentucky versus North Carolina, which I had not seen, and I think we'd said it on the show yeah. before, before Lenardi suggested uh, yeah, North Carolina mm-hmm. and Kentucky uh, could meet in a playing game. But that's uh, he's more bullish on A&M. He's got that, A&M. What a great way to get the tournament Going, yeah, he's he's got a And M on the nine line uh, right now. He does not have them uh, on the well. Good, uh, I mean the they're they are eleven and two in the conference now. And I think where where does he have? Uh, he's got Kentucky. Uh, he's got Kentucky in the playing game, like I just said, and he's got Mississippi State as the next team uh, in the draw. USC and Oregon. He's got USC out, which um, uh, you know I I think. Uh, uh, I, I wonder if if uh, if, if USC is going to. I think they're going to play their way back into the NCAA tournament, even if uh, th- they're out right now. But but no, it's an interesting bubble this year. Some big brand names. Oh yeah, on, no on question. Bubble. Oregon is uh, is on uh, the bubble, according to a lot of people too. There's there's two pretty good Pac-12 teams uh, that could uh, uh, make some noise if, if they were to get into the tournament. But uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, some uh, some some compelling stories to watch at the very end. Auburn wants to stay out of this conversation. Oh, you're not kidding. And it, it needs to start with a win tomorrow night because if they lose tomorrow night, they could very well slip into that conversation. They absolutely could. I mean, you're on the uh, uh, you're on the the safe end of the bubble right now, but every loss sort of uh, uh, you know it 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 cracks the ice a little bit underneath you. And yeah, if you're Auburn, you you don't want, especially with some tough games coming up, uh, you don't want to. Uh, uh, you, you don't want to sacrifice any of the capital with a game uh, with, with a loss in it against a team that you should probably beat. Let's see the uh, um, Auburn game. One of the uh, maybe the last game tomorrow. I don't have them all by uh, by time, but uh, things get started with the Auburn is the last of yeah. four games on the SEC network uh, tomorrow. I know it's the it's the the fourth game and the main event in the quadruple header. Uh, they've got in men's seven thirty start. Yeah, tomorrow night the opener. We get started at noon cool. with the uh, with the battle for the bottom. <laughs> South Carolina and uh, is at LSU. LSU with a chance to pick up their second win of the season. You know South Carolina trying to avoid falling into a tie for the baseball. In combat sports and <laughs> boxing, right? You start with uh, you start with a couple of guys you never That's heard right. of, and you you work your that's, way that's up. That's the way. The it's, that's the way it's going tomorrow. A lot different from last Sunday. 
lot more hype for the South Carolina LSU women's game last Sunday yeah. than the South Carolina it's LSU a it's a men's game. A slightly different setup. That's no. opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, so going chronologically, you got uh, the LSU South Carolina is the noon game on SEC Network, uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. Now that's the- that's a fun one there for an early start. Tennessee, a slight favorite. I'd be worried. At Kentucky? I'd be worried. Coming off the Alabama win? Yeah, I'd be worried about after, too. after such an emotional win. It's a big game for Kentucky. It's huge for Kentucky. That was, a, that was a gigantic win for them, I thought, the other night in Starkville. Kentucky is another team where if they, if they play their way in to the NCAA tournament over these next couple of weeks. You don't want them. No. you uh, Kentucky, no. Kentucky is not the 11th seed that you sign up for when you you know think about an 11th seed in the NCAA tournament. Because most K- Kentucky could be like UCLA coming from that 11th spot. Yeah, ab- yeah Kentucky is a team that could ignite. Mm-hmm. If they put the pieces together yep. and they suddenly get into the NCAA tournament as a, a 10th seed or an 11th seed, uh, they, could, they could be hell on wheels uh, when, when the tournament gets going. Interesting. We need, to have, uh, we need to have Gary Parrish back on. Oh yeah, talk you're right. The, uh, talk about the tournament. We will do that. Uh, we will try to do that at some point between now and the start of the uh, of the tournament. Interesting matchup at one o'clock. Florida and Arkansas. The Gators are seven and six. Arkansas trying to get back to five hundred in conference play. Uh, and I know Arkansas is a team that's that's there. You know, sort of teetering as a as a ten or eleven or bubble type team. They they can't afford to fall to six and eight in conference play. Yeah, Florida has not uh, Florida's not played particularly well on the road. No, in conference play they got drilled in Tuscaloosa. No shame there. They also got drilled in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, so uh, they, they did win in Starkville uh, last month. But I just this game this game is big for Arkansas, mm-hmm. and it feels like the sun is setting a little bit on Florida this season. As a as a team that could make a run for the NCAA tournament, although if if they beat Arkansas, um, they could they could be right there in the battle for the fourth spot for that fourth for for fourth place in the uh, seedings for the SEC tournament and and try to keep some hopes alive. And the difference between four and five is so big. Oh, it is the, huge. With the way the with the way the seating works out because it's an extra game that you mm-hmm. you can avoid with uh, with the wear and tear on your legs. Two thirty. Not to mention that you could lose that game. And oh, sure. The tournament. 2:30 Mississippi State is at Ole Miss, and here's one that uh, the the you know the Bulldogs have got to win. They lose this; it's a terrible loss for them. You know, I mean, it was bad enough losing at home, but it was at a home loss to Kentucky. You lose on the road. At, if they lose on the road to an Ole Miss team, it's two and eleven in conference play. I think they're they're out and really having to fight back to try to get on the bubble. Yeah, just a slight favorite, too. Four point favorite for uh, for, for the Bulldogs here. They're, they're just uh, yeah, they're just favored. By four points, and Ole Miss, like you said, has struggled. It's been a really, uh, you know, it's, it's been a really shockingly tough. disappointing season yeah. for Ole Miss. They they went to Athens and won, but otherwise February is not really gone Mm-mm. all that great. Although two of the two of the losses were close. I mean, Ole Miss has not thrown in the towel, and you know they have not been getting uh, run off the court or anything like that. This feels like it's a last stand for. Uh, Kermit Davis and company, because, like you said, it, it's a rivalry game, and if they win it, uh, it it would really spoil the postseason chances of a Mississippi State team that has spent most of most of the conference season uh, projected as an NCAA tournament team. So it it would be uh, uh yeah, it would it would be a role reversal here for Mississippi State to suddenly find themselves not just 
on the wrong end of the bubble, but but really with a lot of work to do uh, to get back into the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. So, yeah, it's going to be, a, I would expect, a compelling game because this is, I mean, if, if Ole Miss can't get up for this, then it, you know it's it's uh, it's probably going to be a pretty lifeless uh, next couple of weeks before the season ends in Oxford. The start of a tough stretch uh, for the number two team. We've talked about Texas A and M, and you said somebody somebody has them in it not as a nine seed now. Yeah, that's Lenardi. Lenardi's got them. Uh, Lenard, Lenard, well, Lenardi's we're, got them in. We're going to find out a lot more about them here down the stretch. I think a lot of folks have already looked uh, and saw that the the final game of the regular season for A and M they host Alabama. But I mean, uh, it it it's not it's not easy up to that point by any means because uh, they have Tennessee. Uh, well, like, well, they've got they're at Missouri tomorrow. Then they have Tennessee at home. They're at Mississippi State at Ole Miss before Alabama comes in. So this is a big one for them. It's a big one for Missouri too. Missouri at home, if they can knock off Texas A and M then uh, that'll do wonders for them. And all these teams are also battling right there with Auburn for that uh, four, you know, hopefully, you know, moving into at least the four spot. Yeah, I mean, the bubble right now has four SEC teams on it. I mean, A&M, and that, I mean, assuming Auburn and Mississippi State, or assuming Auburn and Missouri are in pretty good position right now, Arkansas, Kentucky, uh, and Mississippi State and A and M would all be battling. Feels unlikely that all four of those teams yeah, are going to make the I NCAA tournament right now. Different projections have uh, all, all four of those teams different, but right, all different four of those teams, people yes. have one or more of those teams being there on the bubble all, or having a chance to yeah, get in. All of them have chances that feel right. very much alive, but it's going to take, uh, but it's going to take some wins. I think the odds are about infinitesimal that they will all. Make it in. I think so. Kentucky. I think Kentucky's getting in. I think Kentucky's going to. I mean, over. So so Kentucky closes Bill with Tennessee, Florida, Auburn, Vanderbilt, and at Arkansas. That's pretty tough. That's tough, but they've got some chances. If they win three of those five. Yeah. I think they're in. Yeah, I think. I think. And and I. I think. I think they're going to win tomorrow at Rupp because they're at home. Uh, even though Tennessee looked very impressive in. Yeah, although I I, I thought loss. I thought Alabama was going to win in Knoxville, so. I don't know. So maybe yeah, maybe we just pick against Tennessee all the time. Yeah, we'll yeah, maybe so. Until they, they go uh, you, and then you've got a blowout game that uh, it's hard to imagine any way that it's not going to be Alabama coming back home and Georgia coming in. I think Alabama wins that one easily. And then of course we mentioned Auburn Vandy uh, wraps things up. A, a interesting day. By the time the dust settles, I mean it's going to be really interesting to see who is where with four games. So many spots are undecided. Alabama has um, – they've got the schedule in their favor plus the lead to win the regular season. A&M's got a really tough closing stretch, but they're still in good shape. They have a two-game lead over third place right now. I want to see what Missouri looks like after Auburn deep-fried them. right. On Tuesday night, too. Is that is that something that they can just sort of process as... I don't a, know, sometimes it's easier to get blown out like yeah. that than it is to lose a heartbreaker. You know, is that, is that something they can, just, they can just sort of process as a blip on the radar and get back out there and play a competitive game? Or is A&M going... Because if... If A&M gets out to a hot start, right, if you're Missouri and after after losing a thoroughly uncompetitive game to Auburn, another quality SEC team comes to your gym and they get a big lead out in the first in the first half, I mean, you start to worry if something is 
seriously wrong if, if things are if things are broken. So yeah, I think it's important for Missouri not just to to, to beat A and M for what it would mean for their their tournament resume, but to avoid a slow start so they don't have to start thinking, here we go again. Because if you're Missouri, I have to imagine the last thing you want to be thinking after that Auburn game is here we go again the next time you get out there because Auburn, I mean, that, that game never felt close. We need to get to our final break of the afternoon and of the week. Stick with us. We'll update you on what's going on at the ballpark and more when we come back to wind it down here on the Friday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final couple of minutes here on this Friday. And let's uh, let's check in at the ballpark. But it's getting chilly over there. Uh, it is just the bottom of the fifth. What was John Cohen saying? Games need to be two and a half hours. Oh, this one's coming up on two hours, and it is halfway done. Uh, of course, it is the opening game. You're you're having a lot of pitchers. Uh, but Indiana, with a couple of unearned runs in the top of the fifth, has cut Auburn's lead to 6-4. Tigers now batting in the bottom of the fifth. And yet another newcomer, Caden Green, with a base hit. I believe all the newcomers have a hit. Ike Irish, two for three. Justin Kirby, one for one with a two-run homer. Cooper McMurray is one for three. And now Caden Green, one for two. So good good opening day for the uh, for the young uh, other newcomers, that, that is. What's the weather? Uh, what's the projections for the rest of the weekend? Uh, tomorrow it's going to be cool. Temperatures in the 50s and breezy, but it's a 2 o'clock game. So that's not, that's not as bad. Uh, and then Sunday it's going to be in the 60s. And a one o'clock start, so Sunday should be Sunday should be just fine. So Jerry Palm, we've been talking about CBS's bracketologist uh, a little. I don't know if, if Lenardi has ownership of the bracketology term, but but Jerry Palm does uh, NCAA tournament projections right. for uh, CBS Sports, and he he wrote a little uh, briefing about why these games tomorrow are important for some of the SEC's bubble teams. Kentucky uh, doesn't really have, other than the game against Auburn, uh, doesn't doesn't really have a chance for very many high quality wins to improve their resume between now and the SEC tournament, which means they need to beat Tennessee. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Arkansas at home against a team that's not really in the mix anymore. Florida, they got to win that game to keep their candidacy alive. Mississippi State cannot let Ole Miss. Oh, no, no. That would be a huge loss for their resume. And Auburn, with some really dangerous games coming up on the schedule, a loss to Vanderbilt puts Auburn in a position where suddenly those games become must-win games, which is tough because you're talking about games at Kentucky, at Alabama. SEC tournament, possibly. And and hosting Tennessee. And hosting Tennessee. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun weekend. We will recap it. Brian Matthews will join us. And we'll all be at Franklin Tire on Monday. We're out of time here on the Friday Drive. Have a great weekend, everybody.